thankful that you guys are here this morning. And uh, my name is Terry Pierce. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Connect Church. Would remind you real quickly that next Sunday of Mother's Day service that Andrew talked about, uh, man, we plan to uh, have a great gift for all of you moms today. And let me just uh, uh, re- encourage you, uh, invite your kids to come to church with you. Uh, Remind them to bring your mom with you to church next Sunday. We're going to have a really cool, uh, just big day. I know Belen is excited. All of her boys will be here. And so let me encourage you to bring the whole family. Bring them here. Be in the services. uh, Bring your mom with you guys. And I promise you we're going to have a cool gift for all of you moms next Sunday as well. And a special word for you all today. Well, we're back in the book of Philippians. And we simply call this Joy in the Journey. Uh, Our staff, uh, Tanner and Andrew and I, and along with our wives, we do this text thread thing that we do. Uh, it's uh, where we text each one, each other. We're in a, like a group thread. And so there's, you know, a lot of things that we'll text each other about throughout the week. And it's very interesting having Tanner in a text thread. Uh, we hear pretty much on a daily update what's going on in Arkansas. It's exciting. Uh, and anyway, just all kind of things that go on. Uh, we will occasionally, mostly the wise, will share a verse or encouraging word or blah, 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 something like that on a spiritual side. And then there's the rest of us, and uh, we're constantly sharing funny stuff that goes on in our lives, and occasionally we might talk about you guys. But anyway, uh, and so all of this goes on in the group thread. We get this message a few weeks ago from Ashley, and you know, sort of Ashley, whoop, you know, goes there sometimes, and so uh, Ashley was so excited, and she was, <laughs> she was texting in the thread, I've watched this new Disney movie. You could just picture her, you know, even though it was in words, you know, Ashley, and so so I just watched this great new Disney movie, and she said, it's called Inside Out, and I have become self-aware, all of my emotions, woo, uh, you know, all over the spectrum, uh, it, and it has, and in basically what goes on in the movie, the Disney movie, an animated Disney movie, uh, you're going to see here in just a second, has these animated characters that's in this little girl, and so they show you what's going on in her brain, and she's got all these emotions that have their own little animated character, and what's on the inside comes out and her behavior, and, you know, it's sort of a self-aware movie of discovering how we handle our emotions. I promise you, if you're a parent or a grandparent in here, you're going to totally relate to this clip of Inside Out. Watch it. (laughs) So how many can relate to that? Been there, done that with your kids, and so exactly. Um, The next time you go from zero to 100, I don't know who uh, has the anger uh, little ball that drops into your spouse or your kid's uh, life in a more frequent uh, uh, veracity than most of the rest of you, but if you go from zero to 100 and you got that little red guy inside of your head, uh, I want you to understand what it looks like now. So you just got that. Some of you have a really large red guy inside of you in your head. And so anyway, uh, I want you to get that picture. Now, let me give you one last illustration that's going to help you with our message today. My favorite author is Mark Twain. And I, I think it's because I grew up in Southern Illinois. He's from Missouri. And so I know it's close. And anyway, but I, I love reading him. But there's another reason that I love reading the writings of Mark Twain. I did every book report when I was uh, in junior high on Mark Twain. But I love his writing because Mark Twain is one of the most sarcastic writers that ever uh, was an author. And uh, you see this in the clip that I'm getting ready to give you, and it's going to really be right on line with what I want to talk to you about today. Mark Twain writes, 
few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. Only Mark Twain and his sarcasm could understand. You know, we talk about good examples and we want to inspire the younger generation. And some of you are like, you know, I just need these inspiring figures in my life to make me feel good about it. Mark Twain, with his sarcasm, looks at it. When I see somebody inspiring, all I'm thinking about is, I'm never going to be like that. I don't, you know, I, I don't even process things like that. So, uh, and, and that's exactly what we want to talk to you guys about today. We're all over the place on this emotional spectrum when it comes to understanding Christ and Christianity and how to follow God. And the truth of the matter is, is some of you, when you hear a good example, you know, you're fuzzy type people and you like things, oh, that's good. But the rest of you, when you see a good example, your mind naturally goes to the critical and you're thinking, I can never do that. So you quit. And you quit. And you don't even try because you're thinking, that's just not who I am. In the first paragraph of Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul is going to outline for us that how to do this example. So turn your Bibles, if you will. The title of our message today is Inside Out. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to look at that little paragraph between verses 12 uh, through 18. In, in the paragraph Philippians 2, Paul presents Jesus Christ as that great example. Now when you read it, and you agree with it uh, that Christ is ultimately, in verses 1 through 11, Paul makes the case in, this, in that paragraph leading into our chapter today. He makes the case, and you're, you're going to agree with me, that Christ is the ultimate example of what it means to, uh, you know, uh, for us to follow. Everybody's conservative, Bible-believing church here this morning. Man, yeah, Jesus is the great example. He's somebody that we look up to. We want to follow him. But going back to Mark Twain's quote, then some of you live daily and you're anything but acting like Jesus on a daily basis. Go ahead and hit your spouse. You're anything but carrying on the characteristics of Jesus Christ. You're more the angry red guy uh, there is how you live your life or whatever your emotional uh, spectrum is this morning. And so you naturally begin to think in your life, why even try? And let's just be honest, when you woke up this morning, that thought crossed in your head, <laughs> why do I even want to go to the church today? Preacher's going to yell at me. I'm going to hear stuff about Jesus, and I know I'm not on board with all this stuff. And you debate every Sunday in your mind whether or not you're even going to go to church, get up and go to, out of, get out of bed to do this whole thing. Why? Because you know what? I'm just, I don't feel like I ever measure up. I'm never going to be like the other church members and all this emotion, all these little balls are dropping in your brain. And what I want to help you guys today is to get beyond that. I want you to quit living in this frustration of being controlled by your emotions. We're going to look at the Bible today and what God can help you and I do is to get a better handle on our emotions. And so we're going to learn, yes, from the inspirational story of Jesus, but you understand this morning that it's more than just a fluffy, you know, for you positive people, cheer, oh, Jesus is great, I want to be like him. You understand theologically today who Jesus is. He's God's holy son. He was both God and both men. He was perfect, sinless sacrifice. 
for your sins and for mine. He is the God-man. Don't ask me to explain it or even a Bible scholar because you're not going to get really much more of an answer than that. We accept this truth in reality by faith. Now back to you. Yeah, but I could never be like Jesus. Stop it. You're allowing your emotions to lie to you. He is God's son. And when he departed, he left the Holy Spirit part of the Trinity. Are you listening to me this morning? The divine Holy God, now if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have believed in his death, burial, and resurrection. You have accepted and confessed your sins, invited Jesus to forgive you and justify you before a holy God. If that is your testimony today, then how dare you allow your emotions to control the behavior and how you live your life. Inside of every one of you this morning is the divine, holy spirit of the living God. And if he's living inside of us, we can learn how to be like. Jesus. You don't have to follow a good example. The example is living inside of you, inside out. Isn't that different? Instead of feeling like a failure, I could never do that. We're going to learn how to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us to live inside out. Now, Paul begins this whole chapter in writing in this that we're in this morning with a sort of a pastoral tone. So what is a pastoral tone? Notice that he says here in verse 12, my beloved. Now he's not talking about uh, romance here for those of you that like uh, 312 on, um, what is it, Hallmark Channel. Uh, all I know is my numbers. Anyway, and on, um, so we're not talking about a Hallmark movie stuff here. We're talking about, he says, therefore my beloved. Now, it's a pastoral tone. And what he's saying here is that, I really do love you, church at Philippi. He's a pastor. I care about you guys. I want to help you guys get off of this spectrum. Remember the little clip of living by your emotions and understanding inside of you is the Holy Spirit. We're going to get past how I feel today, and we're going to learn to live with the truth. The Holy Spirit is for us and not against us. We can do this today. We can do this today. God is inside of us. Live this out. Live this out. So Paul says that love and care for the church at Philippi. I don't tell you guys often enough this, but I love Connect Church. This is why I discipline myself to pray over you every single week. Every single one of you, fill out the flipping guest card, get in our church directory, come to church here. There's not a week goes by, can't even still say his name right, but I pray for Stanley and Melissa, last name, uh, every single week because I love their family. Oh, Mark Roberts back here, Burley, not the prettiest guy on the planet, but I tell you what, I pray for him and Angela and their family every single week because I love you guys. What I'm going to share with you today is a different kind of message, but I promise you it's a game changer. Stay awake, stay with me, because I believe it has long-term implications on you guys really discovering 
who you can be in Jesus, inside out. This is what uh, Paul talks about. It's a discipleship passage, and Paul wants us to understand that process. But you know, there's a problem, and um, let's point these out. There's two ends of the spectrum that you guys have, talking about emotions. On one end of the spectrum, some of you are here this morning, and you're not really having joy in your spiritual journey. You're struggling with this whole thing of finding joy in Christianity. And you want to know why? Because you're fakers. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just call it like it is. You half-heartedly do everything in your Christian life half-heartedly. You're fakers. You, you, you show up on Sunday and you try to fake it because you're worried about what other body, everybody else thinks. Do, do, you really, all you're wanting to do is to show up to church today, check the box off your list, and say, I did it, and I want somebody to brag on me. They saw me at church today. And I'm just telling you, if you're trying to fake it through, you're never going to have joy in your journey. Let me illustrate it to you. Um, let's say that we get your favorite singer up here on stage. Now, I went through a time, we're not going to do that for time's sake here in the second service, ask you who your favorite singer is, but let's just throw hypothetically out. Let's say that your favorite singer just happened to be Shania Twain. And uh, Shania Twain comes out on the stage. It's probably not going to happen because there's a certain pastor's wife that's going to take care of that issue. But anyway, uh, and so let's say that Shania Twain came out on this stage and she got out here to sing, I feel, anyway, anyway, and so uh, she got out here to sing her song, and she lip-synced all the way through it. Now, I possibly am a closet fan, and, uh, and I'm telling you, if she lip-synced that song, and then she went backstage, took her makeup off, and went back home, and, you know, did the whole thing, I got to be honest with you. I might be a fan, but that's just going to just burst my whole bubble. You living a Christian life, faking it, trust me, everybody sees you. Everybody sees your fakeness. You think you've got it covered, and maybe because of your fakeness, that's why your family and your friends and your coworkers are not running to church with you because they see you don't have it you're not living this out. Then on the other end of the spectrum, some of you don't have any joy because you're faking it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we've got that some of you that your, your old school legalism, you know, your way that you've been taught, this is the way my mom and my granddaddy taught me. I'll tell you what, bless God, I ain't changing my way of thinking. And you're all over the spectrum. You're one of the most miserable griping, complaining people. And you gripe about everything. We're going to get to that in just a minute. It's because it was in a church at Philippi. We're going to find out in just a minute they were free will Baptists because they griped and complained. And so you're on this, and you've got this whole vending machine concept of God. You ever heard of that? What's the vending machine concept of God? It's how some of y'all are living. You come to church, and you showed up. Clink, clink, clink. I made a deposit. I write a check twice a year for tithes. Don't pay him every week like I should, but I wrote God a check this week, gave him 10 bucks. <laughs> clink, clink, clink. I did good for God. Showed up to church, clink, clink, clink. I even got up this morning and tuned in online. You know, clink, clink, clink. And you think because you've done a good deed that somehow God is going to bless your good works. 
And you think that's how God works. That's not how he works. He wants a relationship with you. You don't just come home and say, you know, or do or whatever to your wife and say, man, you know, I expected a better supper tonight because, you know, I went out and worked today. You know, what are you doing? And it doesn't work that way. You have a relationship. You talk. You share. And so I'm telling you, you're not happy because, and what happens is, is you don't get the material blessings that you thought. Your kids still get sick. You still get a diagnosis of cancer. What you're wanting is you're wanting ecstasy from God without the agony. You're wanting glory without suffering. And it's just your whole concept of God is not working, and you're miserable. So Paul says to the church at Philippi, you've got to allow yourself to be changed. And this change in the way of your thinking happens from the inside out. Follow the text. Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things with grumbling and, or disputing. Do all things without, sorry, without grumbling or disputing. Again, Baptist Church. So that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Now notice the outward part. Among whom you shine, circle that, as lights of the world. There's the outward part we're going to get to at the end of the message, and I promise you, hang with me, you want to hear this. Hold fast to the word of life, inward, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I do not run in vain or labor in vain. For even as I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, notice this, inward, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also Shall, should be glad and rejoice with you. So Paul says, he links up this example of Christ that he's talked about in verses 1 through 11. Jesus gave up his life to save ours. We talk about that every week here. Because of this truth, Paul then says, we should work out our salvation. Now the term that we call, and let me make this very clear to you this morning, we're talking about at this point, sanctification. Sanctification is the process where I live out what Jesus has done to justify me from my sins. Now let me clarify something. In no way, and especially even in free will, some of the way that you guys were taught was stupid and wrong. Done some of it myself. In no way do you work for your salvation to do good enough to please God that somehow he'll weigh in the balance whether you get to go to heaven or you get to go to hell. <laughs> Unequivocally, and I'm going to make this very profound and very succinct, you can do nothing to earn your salvation. You can't save yourself. You cannot be good enough. You cannot please him enough. There is absolutely none who are righteous in this building today. Jesus alone is the only one that can save you. You cannot even approach him if he doesn't invite you. He doesn't call you. He doesn't bring you into his presence. You cannot even think about God if he wasn't already pursuing you and revealing himself to you. You are saved in Christ, and Christ alone justifies us. And so get that. But because of that, 
he says. And remember who Paul's writing to. He's not writing to unbelievers to get saved. He's writing to church members just like you and I who've already been saved, who've already been baptized. He says, now work on your salvation. I want you to dig this out and live a better life. So here's how I want to summarize that. God works in, write this down, and we work out. God works inside of us so that what we do on the outside looks much differently. I love this. Now let me take you a little bit deeper into the word, um, into the word into the word study. <laughs> anyway, that word I almost had it. it's a big word. It was a good word. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. So here's how we dig deeper into this little phrase to work out. It has the idea of going deeper and working out your problem. Sort of, you remember back in school, let me illustrate to you this way. You remember being in algebra class? Wasn't that fun and exciting and riveting? I don't know how, you know, for you math nerds, uh, I don't know how your math class was. I actually liked it, but Belen, we, were in this, we grew up in the same high school, high school sweethearts, and she hated math. And we had a teacher back at Waltonville High School by the name of Mr. Stricker. And he was a great math teacher, but he was a doorknob of a personality. I mean, this guy, he literally, you know, made paint dry. I mean, he was so boring. And you remember that teacher, not you, but, you know, other teachers. And so anyway, uh, and so he was, uh, <laughs> so he was this really just dry math teacher. And he would, and you know how math teachers were. They got excited about algebra equations and he would come in and he would give a 30-second rendition of this complicated algebra formula. And he would just, boom, 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 boom. Now you guys go and work it out. And when he finished after 30 seconds, you're looking at your neighbor. You, you remember those days? You're looking at, did he just speak Japanese? I have no earthly idea what he just said. And you remember when you would raise your hand, Mr. Stricker, I don't understand anything you just said. Uh, and he would look at you, work it out. In other words, his, his answer was, you've got to work on it yourself to figure it out. And that's what Paul was saying. He is saying, I, I want you to know that this whole concept of God, you're going to have to work on this. It's going to be something that you dig deeper into, which leads us to the second etymology. I almost got it that time. It is the second thing that we study about this word and, and and the real meaning and the root word of working out has the idea of digging into a mind and I totally related with what one Bible scholar said about this working out your salvation because I think it's going to help you guys I grew up in southern Illinois and in southern Illinois you do one of two things um, it's a very exciting life you're either a farmer or you're a coal miner I mean, that's pretty much your choices or you move. And so in Southern Illinois, that's all we got. And when I was growing up, especially when I was, we had literally a coal mine on every little county, you know, road. And my dad took me one day to the coal mines. And I decided at that moment, if I'm not going to be a basketball coach, God called me to be a preacher because he took me to the coal mines. And when you go to a coal mine, they put you in a big metal elevator. And they take you hundreds of feet straight down into the mine. You have no idea how dark 
center earth is until you go into a coal mine. You cannot see your hand in front. I'm, I'm talking about hundreds of feet down in the earth. It is so dark and cold. I mean, it is frightening. I, I, I struggle with um, claustrophobia. And I'm telling you, I think it came from that experience, is that just seeing, you know, the coal mine elevator, man, and that's why I won't ride an elevator to this day unless I absolutely have to, uh, because they're death traps. You, you know, they thing shuts down, you're going to no air and you die. And so anyway, so uh, I just, I hate going into claustrophobic. I hate going into caves and, and, and places like that. But you know what they have down in that cave in a coal mine? They have coal. And these guys dig out the coal. And you never think about it. Matter of fact, that coal that those miners in southern Illinois, it impacted you getting ready this morning. And you never even thought about it. Those guys go in and they get covered in black and they dig out that coal. And you know what happens with coal once they get it out of the ground? It becomes the energy source for the power plants. They burn the coal, and guess what happens at the power plant? I feel like I'm on an infomercial. And then, the, and then the, uh, the power plant sends electricity to your house. These guys are going, no way, dude. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the electricity goes into your house. And so guess what happened this morning? You flipped on a light switch, and your light came on. You never thought about the coal miner in southern Illinois down in that deep hole that dug out that coal that ultimately produced the inside to the outside in your house. When you ladies were blow-drying your hair this morning and your husband's sitting in the car, we're going to be late again, and you're blow-drying your hair, you never even thought about that coal miner down deep in that hole who gave electricity so you could blow-dry your hair. But I promise you this, if you got up this morning and you plugged in your coffee machine to get your shot of coffee because you got to go listen to the preacher again, and that machine in your house didn't have any electricity, you would have thought twice about the coal coming out of that ground. And what I said all that to say is that this is what Paul was illustrating to you and I. Guys, we don't have any power in our lives as Christians. We're living with no effect on the world around us because our inside is empty. You're going to have to work at appreciating and digging deep on the inside. So let me ask you a question. How can you learn to live a better life? Where do you get the power to live a better life? Guys, it's from the inside out. Get out your notes this morning. I'm going to share with you three practical ways as we wrap all this up. Three practical ways that God wants to help you live inside out. Number one is that we need a spiritual workout in our life. This is so cool. Paul points out to the church there a lack of ability to be obedient on their own. This is a game changer. Let me say that again. You cannot do obedience on your own. That's why so many of you are frustrated here this morning because you keep trying really hard to do the Christian stuff but honestly, you suck at it. Your emotions are like the Disney clip. You're all over the place. One day you're up, one day you're down. And all the while, God is trying to reveal to you and I, it's about the inside, guys. It's what's on the inside. Look with me in verse 12 again. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now my presence much more in my absence. Work out your salvation. Find out what's that inside. Notice what he says next. With fear 
and trembling. Now, this is significant. When you read that phrase, what do you think of? Oh, we got to fear God. If I don't go to church today, he's going to zap me. If I don't do my hear drone, all this stuff, God's going to zap me. Stop it. The fear and trembling that he's talking about in this text is translated in awe. You are in awe. That God Almighty, who literally can blink his eye and you go out of existence, and yet he loves you. Yet he has profoundly gave his son to go to a cross, to die for your sins and mine, to live in the fact, Miss Marie, that God Almighty is interested in my life. No matter how many times you screwed up, no matter how many times you're jacked up, no matter why that you have even lived the way that in the choices that you made this week, he still loves you to pour truth into your life this morning. Somebody needs to be in awe of that. It's what Tanner just sang about and said, we need to be still and behold the awe that a God would even still care for me, knowing who I am. That's inside out. You have no power because you guys are not being still and just enjoying the awe that a holy God is interested in me. My brother, I called him, uh, he's like polar opposite of me and the fact that he's very talented and I'm not. If I didn't preach for a living, I'd probably starve to death. And so my brother can fix anything, everything. Owns a body shop in Southern Illinois. And two years ago, we moved into a new house for us. And I decided after all these years of being a farmer that uh, and living in parsonages for most of my life until uh, we got here and finally got a house and then I had a little metal shed. I had that little sear shed that I literally, every time Brooks, I walked in and I banged my head, cut my head open and it literally was like from me to you and that was all the bigger my shed was and I said, I grew up farm boy and I just put my foot down and asked babe if I could have a barn and she relented and I built my very first ever barn. And I was so proud. Well, I didn't build it, but I hired it. Then. Anyway, and, uh, and so I got my very first ever barn. And I got to put all of my farming equipment, my lawnmower, and my golf cart, and my truck. And uh, I got to put all of that in my barn. And I was so pumped. I felt like such a man. Whoa, I got a barn. Come on, get me, babe. And so I'm just telling you, I was so pumped about having a barn. But then I realized a barn without electricity is just a barn. We got to have power. And so I called my brother, and I said, I need you to come and put me lights and electricity in my barn so when my, you know, thingies, my screwdriver that I use twice a year, I need to plug in, uh, I've got power in my barn. I want to carry it to the house. I want to put it in my barn and plug it in. And so Timmy came down, and we worked all day, and... Something fascinating happened in that process that blew my mind. I asked him, do we need an extension cord from the house? How do we get electricity to the barn? We hung all the lights. We got them all hung up in the barn. We got outlets run, and we used the, what is that word? 
Romex, I said coax, I don't know, anyway, but it was, uh, I wanted to sound really cool, and Mike said, don't embarrass yourself on TV, so uh, romantic, I don't know, Rorex, anyway, whatever, and so we ran all of this electrical wire, and hooked up the lights, and the outlets, and did all of this stuff, and man, I felt, never felt like such a man, it was so cool, and I did everything my brother told me, and then, I was like, I flipped a switch, and nothing happened, and then my brother called me an idiot. And he said, we haven't run the main cable yet. And so we got this big old black wire. I don't even know what you call it, Mike. And uh, this big old thick black wire. And we ran it from the barn into the house. And he said, now we're going to find out where do we get the power from. And he, and he said, where's your electrical box? And so I was like, yeah, I know where that's at. And so I go over to the house, and I show him my electrical box. I said, isn't it shiny? And I watched this. I said, watch this, Timmy. And I hit the little button, and it flipped open. Yeah, I own this puppy. And so Timmy said, get out of the way, idiot, and, and give me a screwdriver. And um, he took off the shiny little metal box that covered up my outlet. Unbelievable what's behind there. There is, it's not funny, there's wires running all through our house and they all come together in that little box thingy behind the plate. And I was like reaching up and he slapped my hand. He says, you touch that, you'll die. And I go, no way. And all of these wires go into the box and he runs and he looks at this box And he says, sure enough, you've got an open, whatever it was, I don't know, breaker fuse thingy. But he said, you've got an open spot here. And he says, and he takes and he runs the big wire out of the barn into the house, into the electrical box. And I got power to my barn. And the truth of the matter what is, is the electrical panel of your heart in your life this morning. What we're trying to help you see in Philippians 2.12 is that God Almighty is pulling off the plate of your thinking and he's showing you you're not connected to the power source. The reason you have no lights and no power in your marriage with your kids and you're unhappy here this morning is because your emotions are controlling you. The way to get control and power to how you live your life, it's going to make your barn so much more usable. It's going to make it so much user-friendly when you allow yourself to be controlled. Work out your salvation to the living God, the spirit of the living God who is inside of you. And here's what Paul says to make that case. He says, let me skip to verse 13, Brian. For it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. God wants to reveal to you this morning, it is him that is working inside of you. He is your power source. Now, how do you spiritually work this out in your life? Guys, what, what I want you to understand this morning, this is, this is the practical side. How do you pull the plate off in your life? How do you see all of the connections? You hear me this morning? This is real complicated. My brother said, get out of the way, idiot. Give me a screwdriver, two screws, and he pulled the whole plate off. Do you want to know how to see the power source in your life? Can I be lovingly say, get out of the way, idiot. Quit covering up who you are on the inside. Allow God 
to pull it off. And here's what you're going to find. If you will do your hair journals, you will join a connect group, you will get your backside in church, and you will allow the word of God to show you what's wrong. Become self-aware of the stuff and the way that you're thinking and the way you see yourself and allow God to show you what he can do in your heart and your life. He's going to change your marriage, your kids. He's going to change your attitude. He's going to change your focus. But you and I have to see he is working inside of us. And we're going to show you that in a big way here in just a second. And here's what you're going to find out. If you'll do your hair journals, you'll do the daily discipline. You know what you're going to discover? One key truth. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And he saved you for a specific divine purpose in your life. If you will discover his purpose for your life, he's going to use you to do great things that are beyond your little world. Inside of you is the potential to discover you are made by him for a purpose in your life. Can I illustrate it to you? We have three sons. I'll be here next week. And um, our youngest son, they're all married now, sort of adults. And um, our youngest son, Adam, grew up in the church here, Mississippi boy. And he um, goes off to Bible college. His two older brothers, for those of you that don't know our family, his two older brothers, one that works on staff here, his oldest brother is a discipleship pastor for the last seven, eight years in North Carolina. And so he's got two brothers in the ministry. And Adam goes to Bible college to sort of follow suit, and he's uh, in his third year at Bible college studying to be a youth minister. And he's flunking out. I mean, I'm not just talking about not quite making it. I'm talking about he is blowing chunks with this. I mean, he is totally, he's not passing anything. And he's brilliant. I mean, he has a higher ACT score than, <laughs> ask Aaron next week this, but he scored higher on the ACT than his, old, than his oldest brother, Aaron, and uh, still makes him mad. But uh, he, he's super smart. And it's not because he can't do the work. He's just, I mean, he is just bottoming out in everything. Spiritually, he is drifting away from God. And we can see it. Flunking out, struggling every area of his life. And you have to know our youngest son, he's the laid back one. He's the one that, you know, man, hey, you know, it's like my priest, man, it'll all work out, dude. It's no big deal. And uh, so we've been hounding him for three years. And we're sick of paying for him to, you know, flunk out. And we're watching him just not do well. And in the middle of that context, you know, as a parent, Y'all with me this morning? You know, you're just frustrated. And we get a phone call. And this is our laid-back son, Adam, irritating his fire. He goes, Mom and Dad, uh, I'm coming home this weekend. I got big news. And, uh, okay, Adam, you know, and, and he, just, he, he don't even get emotional. He just says, I got big news. And, Adam, what is it? We need to know. You know, we're not, and he goes, I, I can't tell you over the phone. I'll tell you when I get there. Click. You have no idea what Belinda hit the roof. And I was with her. And so my mind just immediately goes to the negative, and I'm like, what in the, you know, what in the crud is going on here? And I'm thinking, my son, you know, how worse can it get? He's flunking out of Bible college. We're paying, you know, for the tuition and all this stuff. And, and so, you know, where's he at now? 
Now was he going to, so when he comes home this weekend, he's going to tell us, what's he going to tell us? I joined the circus. I mean, how bad can it get? I mean, he's already down there. I joined a cult. You know, uh, how bad can it get? I'm going to become a country music singer in Nashville. He sings like I do. <laughs> we knew that wasn't going to happen anyway. Uh, so, you know, what, what, you know where's the, where's, how far has this fallen? And an amazing thing happened. Adam came home, and he sat across the table from us, and we're just like, you know, hit us, whatever it is. Hit us, we got to know. And Adam, in his quiet, laid-back, no-emotion self, almost 6'4", looks at us, and he goes, Mom, Dad, there's big emotion for Adam. He goes, "Um, I love kids, and I love Connect Church and the ministry. I'm so thankful I grew up in this. But I don't think I'm called to do youth ministry. I hate it. I hate what I'm studying. I don't like it. It's not working. And then he waited for Blinn and I's reaction. And what happened next even shocked Adam. We both, Blinn and I, leaped across the table and we hugged him and said, Yes! We're so proud that you finally made that announcement. And he was stunned. And he was shocked. And he couldn't believe it. And I said to him these words, Adam, I never wanted you to go into ministry in the first place unless God called you. He had been living what the church people here at Connect thought he was supposed to be because he had two brothers that was in ministry. So he just had to follow suit. He was going down spiritually. He was unhappy. He wasn't doing well in college because that's not what God wanted out of his life. What Adam discovered that day is that he is fearfully and wonderfully made who Adam is. God made you to be who you are. There's not two people on the planet alike. There's no two flowers or two snowflakes on the planet that are alike. And if God has that much creativity, then why are you killing yourselves trying to be like other people? The reason so many of you are frustrated in your spiritual journey is to not become who God made you to be. And by the way, when my son uh, denounced his call to the ministry, he spiritually is flourishing. He is a disciple maker at, at, uh, at Donaldson Church there in Nashville. He's gotten married, getting ready to have a kid, and it's working a great job. And make no mistake about it, my youngest son is absolutely just as much in God's will as Aaron is in North Carolina. Because he's doing what God called him to do. Spiritually work out who God made you to be. And there's a reason for this. So your light will shine. The reason you need to become self-aware of what's going on in the inside is so the Holy Spirit can fix you to let your light shine. Remember the old song that we used to sing, Let Our Light Shine? Here's what Paul says. So that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine. It's lights into the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so thankful to announce this morning that God is trying to help Connect Church 
become more self-aware, you guys. And here's how we do this. Blynn and I have recently discovered in discipleship that it's the answer to you guys getting all of this down that I'm talking about today, you controlling your emotions. But here's what happens in discipleship. We hit a wall with many of you. Many of you have got so much baggage from the way you were raised, from the culture, from your sociological impacts, whatever. And you, you understand what I'm preaching on today, but you have a really low IQ of being self-aware. You just keep hitting the same wall. You keep screwing up with the same things because you can't get past your past. And, and Belinda and I recognizing this, we can't lead people to have the joy and the victory that God wants them to have until they become self-aware. This is a problem in the way I think and see the world. And I'm so cool to announce that after praying and burdened about this for years, and we've refer, we refer people to counseling, and you know we'll do immediate stuff, and we're not gifted to do the long-term care that you guys need. And after burdened and praying about this two weeks ago, seeking God's face about this. I don't know how it's going going to play out, but God has revealed to me, and I was able to find a counseling, Christian-based counseling services here in Tupelo with five counselors that I never knew existed until just a few weeks ago. And it's so exciting because if you'll let me know, I'll be glad to get you in contact with these people. Folks, it is time that we quit letting our emotions control us and defeat us, become self-aware that God wants to do a new thing in our life. God wants to help us overcome our past. And by doing that, he wants to let your light shine in mine. And here's what happens in our life. Too many of us, notice what Paul says in verse 14, we do all things without grumbling or disputing. He says, you've got to learn to get past this. Some of you are so negative. You're so beat up by the way that your emotions are controlling you. There's no wonder there's no joy in your life. And I'm telling you, you can choose the attitude of joy. When we allow God to heal us from the inside out, you're going to change the morale in your office. You're going to become a change agent at your school, teenagers, when you have joy that you take with you. Your dinner table, mom and dad, can become a different atmosphere from the inside out. When we quit feeding the mean spirit inside of us and allow Jesus' joy to permeate that spirit with inside of us, our light will shine into the world, which leads us, how do we do this? We live in the moments of joy. Paul says, listen, Do not allow your circumstances to dictate your joy. Joy comes from the inside, not the outside. Notice what he says in verse 17. Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad, and notice what he says, I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you all should be glad and rejoice with me. The word usage here that Paul says I am poured out as a drink offering. Do you know what that means? His circumstances did did not dictate his joy. Here's the cool analogy. Paul said in those days they understood whether you were a pagan or a priest in the Jewish faith, you would often take wine and over the sacrifice to your God, that animal sacrifice, you would pour the drink over there and then light it up. Paul says, I'm in prison, 
and I'm writing to you about joy. My life is draining before you. It's not going as I had dreamed. I am being poured out as a drink offering, but the devil cannot take away my joy. If I die, it's okay because I still have Jesus with me. Joy is a choice of your attitude, inside out. Dr. Smiley uh, is a uh, physician, and a guy from North Carolina posted this about Dr. Smiley there in North Carolina. He said he was um, a lot like you guys could relate to this. He's got a little girl. She's seven uh, years old. And after church, they've been to church on Sunday morning, heard the sermon that day. And that afternoon, on a Sunday afternoon, they're tired. They're worn out. The little girl's outside playing, and she busts her head open. And the dad says, me and my wife are so ill. We've been to church. We worship Jesus. But now we've got to carry our seven-year-old to the doctor. And you know how it is today. You're a parent. You know you go into the ER. You're thinking, man, let's go ahead and pull out my wallet and go ahead and take it. Because, you know, uh, this is going to cost a fortune. And he said, so I'm ill. It's a Sunday afternoon. I just wanted to relax. Forgot about all about Jesus. And he said, and my little girl's got her head cut open, and I'm thinking about the doctors and the money, and we waited for two hours to even get to see a doctor. Y'all know, he's mad as a wet hen. Him and his wife are fighting in the ER room with their little girl bleeding. And he goes on to tell a story how that the doctor finally comes in, and his name is Dr. Smiley. And Dr. Smiley walks into the room, and he said it was just like he sucked all of the air out of it. He said, Dr. Smiley just came over to our daughter and he began to talk to her and he began to share with her. And he began to do, and he said, before she even knew it, he had patched our little girl up. And he said, this doctor was just literally, you could just see life and hope and love flowing out of this guy. And he said, I'm in an ill mood, I'm mad finances, the whole thing. And he said, I just was rude. And I just said, what is wrong with you? He said, I've never met a doctor who just took the time to listen to us and to care for us and offer to pray over us. He said, what is your deal? And Dr. Smiley said, sir, you need to understand that I'm not a physician, just a physician. He said, oh, I have my doctor degree. And he said, but God has called me to be a doctor. God has called me to work in the ER because what God has called me to do is every room I walk into, I am called to bring Jesus in his love, in his peace, in his hope into every room. And that guy wrote, he said, it changed my whole day because one man was letting his light shine. It changed how I saw the world. And today, God is simply saying to you in this message, you guys need to get fixed on the inside because God needs people at the furniture factory who are bringing Jesus to the furniture factory. God needs the nurses at North Mississippi Medical Center to bring Jesus and the North Mississippi Medical Center. He needs your office to have you come in to your office and bring Jesus into your office. He needs for you to bring Jesus to the school 
where you're at. Jesus wants to bring the light to a lost and darkened world. And the reason we're not spreading the gospel is because we've got all the junk in the inside. Guys, it is time to get fixed on the inside and to let our light shine. Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message this morning. We thank you for the challenge. We thank you for the opportunity to know you as our personal God and Savior. God, I pray today, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that they will step out and come and ask you into their heart and life. If you're here this morning, just as Tanner plays quietly and tenderly, what a moment, what an opportunity for me to come and say, God, I am so tired of my emotions controlling my life. Today, I want to ask you to forgive me. I want to ask you to come into my heart and to save me. Nobody's looking around. Would you just step out and come today and say, Jesus, would you save me? Would you save me today? Would you come? Our counselors will meet with you and they'll pray with you the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you come today? Would you come? Now let me just remind our church as you're praying this morning as well. What is that emotion in your life that controls you? What is that spectrum? Where, where are you at in your emotions? Would you confess right now, God, I'm in a dark place in my life. I'm in a dry desert season of my life. Lord, I'm angry about this. I'm, I'm frustrated about that. Whatever it is right now, God, I've just not been faithful to you. I don't know what your struggle is, but would you quit allowing your emotions to control you? Would you confess, God, today, you, re you remind me, you reveal to me that, Lord, I've got to become self-aware. I've got to be able to see all these emotions that control me every day. God, I'm asking you to redeem me. I'm asking you in your Holy Spirit divine power to take me down the road, to peer inside of me so that I can see how to be spiritually healthy and the kind of disciple that's going to attract other people to you. Would you pray and ask God to do that in your heart, in your life? God, let my light shine. Now look at me, church, this morning. As you leave here and you go out this week, when you wake up tomorrow morning, let your light shine. When you wake up tomorrow, you remember what's inside of you is not for you to be good, not for you to be obedient. What's inside of you is the divine Holy Spirit living inside of you. Now you go out and you let that light shine. And let's get some victory in our life and tell the world about Jesus. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.